Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Ken Falk on the line. Ken, how are you? Good, Michael. How are you this morning? I am awesome. Awesome. Really looking forward to this conversation and talking about your new book and everything else. So why don't you share with the audience a little bit by you, and then we'll go ahead and dive into the conversation. Yeah. Well, um, as you mentioned, my name's Ken Falk. I um, spent 21 years in the Navy uh, after a failed uh, attempt to play professional ice hockey at the ripe age of 18. Um, and then I've been out of the Navy now for almost as long as I was in, 20, 20 years out. I got out of the Navy initially and started a um, counterterrorism consulting business. We grew the company to about 50 employees, and it was full of guys like me. I was a bomb disposal uh, expert in the Navy, uh, full of guys like me in the company, some couple of Navy SEALs, a couple of Green Berets, the, the normal characters that would be involved in counterterrorism operations. Uh, when the first bomb went off in Iraq, uh, our company uh, became pretty popular because of our bomb disposal expertise, and our company grew from about 50 to 500 employees in a relatively short period of time. So it was kind of crazy. That was my first entrepreneurial startup. Uh, six years into it, people were knocking on our door to buy the place. Um, uh, we ended up selling it to a private equity firm. I stayed with that firm for a couple of years and ran it, uh, and it continued to to grow and was sold again, ultimately, uh, about four years later. Um, I started a second company, a little uh, IT company that was doing some work, uh, which is also doing well. I ended up selling my shares in that company to one of my partners. Uh, my daughter, uh, oldest daughter, got pregnant with our grandchild and uh, first grandchild and wanted to spend some time with uh, with him. So um, really now today, you know, where my focus is, I've, 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 um, I'm running a nonprofit that focuses on uh, helping wounded soldiers um, heal from from combat related stress. Beautiful work, and any time that I have anybody that has served uh, in our military, I always say thank you, and our audience does too for your service. And and from leaving the military and launching that first company, that's a pretty important company to launch uh, mm-hmm. because you know in in war and battle and even if you're not in a wartime situations you know being able to detect bombs to protect people is critical and i'm not surprised by the success of it i wish i know you probably do too you probably wish that a business like that didn't need to exist but it did and you created it and then obviously it's grown beyond i'm sure your wildest imagination uh in the the multiple you know growth patterns not only when you owned and ran the organization but after you sold it and then it was sold again it just demonstrates you know the need for for that type of service yeah and what you said michael i said um once the war, you know, really kicked in and these bombs were going off and killing and maiming, you know, troops, I, I said what you said all along. I'd, I'd shut this company down in a heartbeat if, uh, and, and, and put all the success behind us if, if, um, if this war would end. Uh, but it didn't. It, it went on for 20 years, as you know, and, uh, and bombs became the, you know, the terrorist choice of weapons, really, in, in both Iraq and Afghanistan. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's nice to have it behind us now, but 
all this craziness going on in the Ukraine. I hope I hope nothing happens again. Yeah, history. Uh, we've heard the phrase "history repeats itself," but then I've also heard over the recent memory is you know history may not repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And I'm with you. I'm really hoping that you know the the situations that we see. Uh, both of the Ukraine and then potentially Taiwan and all these other things don't throw us all into situations that we really don't want to be in. So, so you, you, you sell that business and you go on and, and you launch, you know, another organization and then obviously um, becoming grandparent. Congratulations. That's always, I'm not there yet, but uh, eventually that, that may come. And it's one of those things where you start looking at things and go, okay, you know what, what do I want to do now? And, you know, launching a nonprofit, not an easy task. You know, it's like, I mean, you you did the difficult work and, you know, launching businesses and all that, but launching a nonprofit is always challenging because of all the documentation, reporting and everything like that. But the cause, you know, and obviously with, with your time in the military and, you know, for friends and family that served and all of that, you know, the worst thing you ever want to experience is someone becoming wounded. And then when they come back, if they can't serve anymore, then they have to enter into civilian work and, okay, they're wounded somehow. And that may impact their ability to find certain types of work that they would be skilled in. So uh, I commend you for launching the organization. So what were some of the things that you discovered when you first launched that business that you may not have been aware of beforehand? Yeah. Well, let me uh, back up a little bit. So early on in the war, um, bomb disposal in the military is called EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. And uh, early in the war, my wife and I, um, started our first nonprofit um, called what today is known as the EOD Warrior Foundation. And our entire mission um, was to help the, the families of the guys and gals that had been injured and were being medevaced back to the States. Mostly, excuse me, mostly uh, physical injuries, mostly severe physical injuries, amputations, blinded, burned, uh, paralyzed, uh, those types of injuries. And and when I sold and left my company, it was 2010. And in 2000, early 2011, the war in Afghanistan got very hot on the ground with, with, with respect to bombs. And we were seeing amputee after amputee. We saw 71 amputees in 52 weeks. So about every four days, there was somebody new coming to the hospitals. Well, the, the main hospitals that they medevaced these guys and gals back to is here in Washington, where I live. I'm about an hour west of Washington, D.C. And... Uh, my wife and I started bringing their families out to our home. We have a big old farmhouse, 200 acres of land, and that inspired us basically to donate 37 acres of the property. And we ended up building a, a series of log cabins across this mountain uh, that we live in uh, and created the second nonprofit, which is what I'm running today, Boulder Crest. I'm not involved with EOD uh, Warrior Foundation anymore. I've turned the reins of that over to a, to a new board chairman, but I'm, I'm, I'm really focused on what I'm doing now. And what I do now at Boulder Crest Foundation really isn't as focused on the physical injuries as it is the mental injuries, or what we call the invisible injuries of war, uh, specifically post-traumatic stress, combat-related stress, uh, um, uh, depression, anxiety about transitioning and getting out of the military, all those types of things. And that's really what my focus is today. We have 
two beautiful retreat centers, one here in Virginia, the one that my wife and I donated the land for. And then our largest donor um, had provided us a $10 million grant to buy and open a second facility, which is south in Southern Arizona. So we run two beautiful facilities. Our programs are based on the science of something called post-traumatic growth. This whole idea that, that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And, um, and we also run something called the Boulder Crest Institute for post-traumatic growth. So we, under this umbrella of a nonprofit, we have three organizations doing very similar, uh, but different things. I love that that organization exists because it just, you have, you know, someone that serves in the military, you know, they serve for 20 years, you know, they maybe they enlisted when they were 18 and now they're 38 or in their early forties. And you know, for many people in, in civilian work, you know, we're, many of us are well into our careers and pretty, pretty stabilized and things like that. And for, I'm sure the anxiety for someone that's, you know, coming out of military service and entering into a non-military type of role in a way probably feels like they're 18 again, going, okay, what am I doing? And that's a weird, it has to be a weird sensation for somebody that is, you know, a fully mature grown adult that has obviously seen a lot of things. Um, but then making that transition you know, the, the transition itself can be challenging, but, you know, what's going on in our heads and anxiety, depression, self-doubt, concern, how am I going to be able to apply this and, you know, and also address any you know, particular traumas that they may have experienced, you know, during their time serving our country. Um, and that's a lot to ask of somebody. And thankfully, your organization exists to help them guide through that. Yeah, well, thank you for recognizing that. I think, um, you know, I tell people all the time, transitions for anybody uh, are stressful. <laughs> uh, but this military to civilian transition, you know, I, I, we do a great job in the military of making civilians into soldiers. And I'm having soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines. We just do a great job at it, you know, in a very short period of time, you know, two to three months of a basic training boot camp. Uh, and we, we really transform humans into some great, you know, Americans. And, uh, and, and sometimes people that, you know, may never have had a, had a second chance in, in their lives. Uh, but in the military, we do a terrible job of transitioning soldiers back to the civilian life. And, um, and I always tell people I talk to, you know, in, in, in the public, you know, or private sector, specifically at Capitol Hill, VA, DOD, is if we were going to fix part of the problem that happens to, to, you know, what we refer to as veterans, people who have been discharged from service, then let's focus on that transition period. And, and for some reason or another, they still haven't got it. You know, we get a one-week class on transition when we get out of the service. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of nonprofits that do amazing work uh, uh, for, for guys that are transitioning. But the, but the typical one-week military transition course is a, it's a total failure. I mean, it really really sets people up, doesn't set people up for success. And that's, that's where I would probably, if I was king for the day, put more money, uh, more time and focus on it. Cause I think it would solve a lot of the problems that we see at Boulder Crest uh, in regards to uh, depression and anxiety. I agree. Cause you figure someone serves, you know, it could be a few years or 20 years and all of that. And with you know the training, and you mentioned it, you know boot camp and basic training, that's a few months 
Okay. And that's to prepare you for this role. Now, the next step is to prepare somebody for their next role that's outside of military. It's going to take more than you know, here. Here's a, a, an online course for a week. You know, good luck. Uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, it's, I agree with you. I think it's, it is a failure. Don't want to you know, be critical of anything, but it's, it's, it's obvious and you see it, you know, every time you know, someone comes into, um, you know, into your nonprofit, you're running into these challenges time and time again. And you're thinking, okay, if we could address that, then that reduces the amount of work that you would have to do uh, for that individual and with that individual so they can focus more of their attention on other matters that you know that they're dealing with it just seems like okay there's a whole lot of issues you have to deal with with somebody you know it could be physical injuries mental injuries and then just getting them prepared for for life outside of the military yeah well, you know, and it's, I think at the, at the highest level, you know, my biggest concern is between the active duty military and the veteran population uh, and the National Guard and, and, and the reserve forces, we lose about 22 to 25 veterans a day to suicide. And, um, and, and these are things that I, that I really believe that, you know, we, we can do a better job at. And, and, and most of them, the truth is, Michael, most of them aren't mental health issues. Most of them are leadership issues, you know, just the way people get treated as they're getting out of the service. I mean, you know, I made the senior enlisted rank in the Navy, which was a Master Chief Petty Officer. I got out at 21 years. I was allowed to stay for 30. That was the maximum you're allowed to stay if you make that rank. And I had peers of mine, you know, calling me a quitter. Now, most of it was a joke. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's how we treat people when they get out is, is, is very interesting. And, uh, and imagine if, if, if those were the kind of words people used with me as a senior enlisted guy and a 21-year, you know, of 21 years of service. What do we say to somebody who spent two years or three years in as they're getting out? So... I think, you know, there's a lot of leadership things that we can do to, to, to fix this problem. We just, uh, we just got to get it into the, into the hands of the leaders and out of the hands of this, the, this mental health community because the mental health community was never designed to lead the military. It was designed to, to, to deal with mental health problems. And, and most of these problems aren't mental health problems. Most of these problems are transition stress and, and uh, you know, uh, anxiety about getting out, and, you know. I mean, the military provides a beautiful umbrella for families. It provides a guaranteed paycheck on the 1st and the 15th. It provides guaranteed benefits of medical, dental, uh, you know, bargain shopping on base at the PX and the commissary. If you're young enlisted, pro- provides housing. I mean, the military provides a nice umbrella for, for, for a family. And, and that, when you're jumping out of that and into the unknown, um, especially today, you know, in the way the labor markets are and things, it's, it's, it's challenging and it creates some stress. Most definitely. So let's spend the time before we wrap up, talk about your book. I want to hear about uh, the book and, you know, what it was like to, to write it and, and what's it about? Yeah, well, it's, uh, thanks for bringing it up. It's, uh, the book's called Lead Well. Um, it's, it's our, actually, it's a third book that I've, I've been involved in. This one I, I kind of authored on my own. Um, the, you know, I, I just look back, I think, is, is at, at, at probably a halfway through COVID, maybe. And it just seemed like, you know, it was this country's in dire need of leadership. I mean, from the top down, you know, regardless of your political affiliations or your, 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 your uh, parties, um, from the top down, this country's in need of leadership. And, and we've screwed this COVID thing up. It's caused 
massive, you know, anxiety and stress on, on families. And, and as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, you know, I've read a lot. Of, I read a lot. I mean, I've read a lot of leadership books. And if you Google leadership books, there's tens of thousands of them out there. But I thought, let's make something accessible that maybe people can, can, can focus on, you know, themselves while this, you know, this, this pandemic's going on. So I, um, I, I, one of the books I wrote on leadership was called The Cathedral Within. It was written by a guy named Bill Shore. And his definition of leadership is, is simple. It's helping people get to a place that they can't get to on their own. And I always love that definition of leadership because, you know, even in the military, where now we have five, six services of Coast Guard and Space Force, but even the service definitions of leadership are not the same. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. So I thought, well, let's bring, let's, let's define really what a leader is. And then, and then secondly, which I've, I've believed in my whole life, and I think there's even a book that's titled it, is that I believe leadership's a verb, right? So this, this whole idea of, of action, what are we doing to help others get to a place that they can't get to on their own? And, and that requires, you know, experience. It requires time. It requires lots of energy. Um, and, and, and I think really what defines, you know, good leaders. So what I do in the book is really I list the 10 principles that I think have guided me, you know, that came from my father, came from the U.S. Navy, came from running two, four businesses now, I guess. Um, you know, and I don't think there's anything, you know, that anybody will pick a book, pick the book up and say, wow, I really didn't realize that. But to put it all into a single place and to identify it, we've had some great feedback. I just uh, Friday... I uh, got notified by Forbes magazine. It's the number one book uh, by Forbes last week uh, for entrepreneurs. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but I want to just cover one of the 10 uh, principles of the book this morning. And that's, the, that's number one, which is really this whole idea about lead yourself first. And what, what that means to me is that you cannot lead others unless you're in a good place and unless you're healthy. And I think that's one of the challenges we see with a lot of bad leaders, especially when you see them on you know, TV and in public, public settings, is this whole concept that, that people uh, aren't well, don't lead well. And, uh, and that's really the basis of this book is how do, we, how do we lead ourselves first and then what's next to create people, this whole idea of followership and, and helping those followers, people who believe in you, right? not, not necessarily your company, but believe in you and what can you do to help them achieve their goals and dreams. And that's really what this book's all about. But, um, but I appreciate the plug for it and, um, and I appreciate the opportunity this morning to talk to you. Well, I appreciate you, and I'm thankful that you've written this book. And I agree, there's you know thousands upon thousands of leadership books, but uh, a book that can grab all the different experiences that you've seen in your career uh, and the variety of different things you've done, and you know, focusing and leading off with leading yourself first. I, that is, that's the foundation. If you take care of yourself first, then you're going to be a better person, you're going to be a better family person, you're going to be a better leader, better human being, because you're making sure that your needs are being met and you're taking care of yourself in a way that, one, it provides clarity because you're feeling better. Because, you know, if you wake up and you don't feel well, you're kind of off a little bit. And, you know, that 
in many situations, especially in the military service, you know, that could be a life or death situation if you're not feeling well. So, you know, there's the, you know, the regime or the regiment of making sure you take care of yourself, eating well, getting proper rest as best you can. You know, obviously if you're in military battle, you know, it's, it's like, well, you know, my shift's over. No, we're in the middle of a war. You know, the, the shift's not over yet. So, you know, it's, you can't use that comparison, but Again, you have to take care of yourself and figure out, okay, what do I need to do to make sure that I can be my optimum best? And that's applicable across every industry, every sector. And when you do that, then you start seeing opportunities. You have more clarity. You feel better. You're more, I want to say human in a way, because if you're not feeling good, you may snap at somebody, even though that's maybe not your normal mode of operation, but you might be irritable or short or just say, I don't want to deal with this when maybe you should deal with that. But again, taking care of yourself first, if anything, that that should be rule number one to get this book. And congratulations on Forbes uh, bringing that awareness to you because it's obviously a, a great book. So congratulations again on, on that. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And I love the fact that you said human, because I always tell people, you know, humans really want two things in life. They want an opportunity to contribute and an opportunity to grow. And and that's really, you know, th- that's really what leaders are, are there for, is that, you know, to create these opportunities where where there's meaning and purpose and, and a, a mission to this company, and then to help people achieve that growth throughout the organization, even whether it's in your your business or outside of your business. I mean, nobody loves to lose, or likes, even likes to lose a great employee. But, you know, I always tell people, it's like sometimes, you know, especially in a small nonprofit, we have 36 employees. There's not a lot of opportunity for growth. You know, we do the best we can, but at the end of the day, it's not the easiest place to see it growth. So sometimes, you know, people that want to grow and achieve have to leave and maybe come back. So those are all the things that, that you know, we talk about in the book and how that really, really blends. But I think it's... Um, you know, I think we've I've had some great feedback. There's some great re- reviews on Amazon, and uh, I'm excited. If it helps, uh, you know, helps one person, I'm, I'm excited. That's awesome. So, Ken, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you. Where can people find out more about you and all this amazing work you do? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very available on um, on social media. I've got you know open accounts on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook. Um, the organization I run is called Boulder Crest. And the website is bouldercrest.org, O-R-G, boulder like a rock, B-O-U-L-D-E-R. And um, and you can reach me there. I mean, it's a, a, there's a number there you can call and everything. So, um, yeah, any, 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 any help I can be to any of your listeners, I'm here. It's awesome. And I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So thank you again for, for your service to our country and the continued service to humanity and all the work that you're doing. So thank you for being on the show. Uh, thanks, Michael. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.